0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. It will soon be official. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is expected to announce his bid for president tomorrow. Find out where. A Manhattan judge in the Stormy Daniels case gives a firm warning to former President Trump. Trump has to follow the rules or face the consequences. Emotions running high at a Congressional hearing today. A mother showed the real-life impact illegal immigration can have on the life of everyday Americans. We bring you her story. A man is facing multiple charges after crashing a U-Haul truck into security barriers near the White House. No one was injured. Find out what we know and top government officials violated free speech rights according to people who suffered debilitating illness following their COVID vaccine and tried to tell others about it. Now they're suing. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will officially launch his presidential campaign. The announcement is expected to come tomorrow after months of speculation. Elon Musk confirmed the news on Fox News.
1: We'll be interviewing um, Ron Santos, and he has quite an announcement to make. Um, and it will be, be the first time that something like this is happening on social media and with uh, real-time questions and answers, uh, not, not scripted.
0: The Florida governor will be launching his campaign in a Twitter Spaces interview with Elon Musk at 6 p.m. Wednesday evening. The press secretary for the DeSantis campaign confirmed the plans in a message to the Epoch Times. The Twitter Spaces feature allows for a large group of people to participate in a voice conversation. The feature's current iteration does not allow for video. DeSantis is jumping into an expanding GOP field currently dominated by former President Trump. In the most recent average of polls maintained by Real Clear Politics, Trump holds the lead with 56 percentage points while DeSantis trails as a distant second with 19 points. And in other news about Trump in Manhattan today, a judge in the Stormy Daniels indictment case held a special hearing to ensure that the former president understood his new rules. If Trump doesn't comply with the mandates, he could face contempt charges. NTD's Arlene Richards has more.
2: Former President Donald Trump was back in court today for a stern warning from Judge Juan Merchant. This comes after prosecutors in the Stormy Daniels indictment case asked the judge to bar Trump from publicly using evidence to attack witnesses. Merchant agreed with the prosecutor's request to put a muzzle on Trump by signing a protective order in early May. The judge made it clear today that Trump could be held in contempt of court if he fails to comply with the order. Trump appeared by video conference while his attorneys were present in court. The May 8 order bars Trump from publicizing undisclosed prosecutor evidence, but gave Trump access to certain limited information. Prosecutors had filed a motion last month asking the judge to block Trump from posting evidence to social media, and also asked that he be restricted from viewing sensitive material unless his lawyers are present. In a previous hearing, Merchant made it clear that this wasn't a gag order giving Trump permission to talk about the case as he advances his presidential candidacy. He also said Trump has a right to publicly defend himself. Meanwhile, the case continues in state court as Trump's attorneys seek to have it moved to federal court. In a federal court filing three weeks ago, his attorneys argued that the alleged conduct occurred during Trump's presidency and that former presidents have a right to be tried in federal court. They argued that the case involved important federal questions, including the alleged violation of federal election law. The judge set the trial date for March 25th of 2024 for jury selection. This is likely to affect Trump's run in the Republican primaries, which are set to occur between February and June of next year. The next hearing date is scheduled for October. Arlene Richards, NTD News. Speaking of elections, former Arizona
0: Republican candidate for Governor Carrie Lake is launching a major ballot chasing operation. She calls it the most extensive one in Arizona history and possibly in American history. Such an operation involves reaching out to likely voters to motivate them and make it as easy as possible to vote. Lake says she wants to inundate the mail-in ballot system.
3: And we're going to make sure that We employ every single person in it. Volunteers, mothers, fathers, individuals, students, even the kids are involved because it's their future that we're fighting for. And we are going to get out there and register voters.
0: Lake also said that she plans to take her case about the 2022 election to the Supreme Court after a state court judge ruled that she didn't provide evidence of misconduct.
4: For the past six months, Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake has fought one court battle after another in her bid to overturn what she calls a botched election. But on Monday, the same state court judge who dismissed her entire complaint last December dismissed her remaining claim, a claim of misconduct in the county's signature verification process that the Arizona Supreme Court said was erroneously dismissed. Lake's attorney argued last week that there was questionable ballot counting and verification. He said around 270,000 ballots with signatures were verified in less than three seconds. A key witness had testified on Thursday that he didn't think it was possible for election workers to compare signatures in less than three seconds. But a Maricopa County election director said it can be done in seconds with images of the envelope and the registration record side by side on the screen. Lake posted a video of the process on social media. In the post, she said in Arizona, 80% of voters use mail-in ballots that require signature identification. This is just one of many workers that verified hundreds of thousands of signatures at less than three seconds each. This one individual verified almost 27,000 signatures in total. The judge declined to consider the length of time, saying no standard exists in Arizona law. He said Lake failed to prove misconduct by election officials, or that the alleged misconduct impacted the outcome of the election. Reporting by Arlene Richards, NTD News.
0: Over to Capitol Hill, a man is facing several charges after he crashed a U-Haul truck into a security barrier near the White House Monday night. Authorities are investigating the incident as potentially potentially intentional. 19-year-old Sy Varsith Kandula of Missouri is in custody. Charges against him include threatening to kill or harm a president, vice president, or family member, assault with a dangerous weapon, reckless operation of a motor vehicle, destruction of federal property and trespassing. The truck crashed into security barriers on the north side of Lafayette Square at 16th Street just before 10 p.m. Eastern Time Monday night. Authorities said Candola made threatening comments regarding the White House at the scene. A preliminary investigation by the U.S. Secret Service revealed that the driver may have intentionally struck the barrier. More news from D.C. Emotional scenes at a congressional hearing today highlight the real-life impact of illegal immigration. Meanwhile, a group of lawmakers from both sides of the aisle are introducing an immigration reform bill. NTD's Arian Pazdar has the latest on border policy.
5: If we had stricter
4: border policies, my daughter would still be
0: alive today. Nothing
4: will
3: bring my daughter back.
6: Tammy Nobles is the mother of Kayla Hamilton, Kayla was allegedly murdered by an MS-13 gang member who entered the country illegally. At a Tuesday hearing, Nobles told the story of how someone entered her daughter's home last year and strangled her to death.
4: The murderer then violently sexually assaulted Kayla. Kayla's boyfriend came home from work and found her dead on
6: the floor. A report released by the House Judiciary Committee on Tuesday Found that years before coming to the US, the alien charged with Kayla's murder was arrested in El Salvador for illicit association with the dangerous MS-13 gang.
2: We
4: need to properly vet all border crossers. The government could have placed a phone call to authorities in El Salvador and found out that he was a gang member, but they didn't.
6: Republicans at the hearing called for stricter controls and more vetting at the border. Democrats doubled down on processing centers in Latin American countries. This way, migrants could seek asylum and be vetted while still in their home country. Also on Tuesday, a group of bipartisan lawmakers introduced what they call
7: the first
8: bipartisan, complete bipartisan immigration reform law in the, in the last
6: 10 years. Republican Congresswoman Maria Salazar says the so-called Dignity Act aims to give more funding to Border Patrol as well as supply technology. Create humanitarian campuses along the border where migrants would receive an asylum decision within 60 days. Require the use of eVerify, an online system that checks whether an employee is legally authorized to work. Fund processing centers in Latin America for migrants to seek asylum. And make more green cards and visas available. However, the bill is not expected to pass, as House Republicans said they first want to increase security at the border before passing immigration reform. Meanwhile, House Republicans on Tuesday said the Halt Fentanyl Act will be introduced this week. Lawmakers say it would
4: supply law enforcement with the tools needed to keep fentanyl off our streets.
6: The White House this week welcoming the decision, saying the act aims at things which the administration has long supported. Ariane Pastar, NTD News.
0: Meanwhile, a report says the Biden administration plans to end familial DNA testing at the border. The aims of such tests are to prevent fraudulent parental claims. According to a memo obtained by Just the News over the weekend, Customs and Border Protection will stop the DNA testing once the contract with its vendor expires at the end of the month. The CBP memo says the FBI will still be handling forensic DNA collection, which is separate from the CBP program. The familial DNA testing started during the Trump administration. Its goal is to stop illegal immigrants from using children to create fake family units in order to cross into the U.S. A report from the Government Accountability Office in 2022 found that one-tenths of the children tested turned out not to be related to the illegal immigrants crossing with them. And in health news, a group of people who suffered after taking the COVID vaccines are suing President Biden and some of his top officials over censorship. The plaintiffs say the officials violated their rights to free speech and peaceful assembly by pressuring social media companies to crack down on people like them who shared their experience after receiving the vaccines. Here to discuss this case is New Civil Liberties Alliance's litigation counsel Casey Norman, whom I spoke with earlier today. Casey, the plaintiffs that New Civil Liberties are representing in this case are calling it a landmark lawsuit. Could you explain the suit for us and the significance of it?
9: Sure. Um, so, we are representing six individuals across the country um, who are all very heavily censored on social media platforms, from Facebook to TikTok to Twitter, um, all over the place, for speaking just about their personal experiences after they took the COVID vaccine. Um, and you know, this includes posting photos. For instance, one of our, our plaintiffs, Mr. Ernest Ramirez, he lost his son, actually, a few days after taking the, the COVID vaccine. And And as just one of many examples, he posted a photo of his son on Twitter and on Facebook um, and a photo of himself at his son's funeral. And this was labeled as false information and flagged on Facebook, and it was removed entirely on Twitter. So just to give you a sense of the the kind of speech that we're we're seeing censored here, um, each of the six plaintiffs have dealt with this form of censorship.
0: Wow, that must be devastating. What kind of response have you had from from the social media
9: companies. So, that's a great question. We are actually, the defendants in this case are government officials and agencies. Uh, We're not going after the social media companies themselves. And the reason for that is, we typically, you know, in the the Constitution under the First Amendment, it applies only to government actors and not private entities. And we have seen in some previous lawsuits, including Missouri v. Biden, through the discovery and the the facts um, produced in that case and others, that there's a high level of collusion pressure coercion from these government entities, um, telling the social media companies to censor this type of information or to flag it as dangerous or lies, um, inappropriate content, that kind of thing. We have many, many screenshots of just a variety of posts, um, tweets, you know, throughout the platforms, we have people posting even in private support groups. For instance, on Facebook, um, we have a number of private support groups for those who are injured af- after taking the COVID vaccine. And they they screen everybody before they're allowed to enter. And all the members of the groups are, you know, those who have suffered in similar ways. And even in these private groups, we'll see them posting, you know, advice, medical d- advice, what's worked for them after they have suffered these injuries. Even these types of posts are being removed. Um, the private groups are shut down, frozen. Um, you know, anything to, that involves the COVID vaccine or that even questions the government policies, we're seeing that kind of thing being censored. And what outcomes are you
0: seeking? What are you hoping will come of this case?
9: So, we are seeking in this lawsuit declaratory and injunctive relief, and that means we, we basically want the courts to inform the governments and all the officials and agencies involved in this censorship that their conduct is unconstitutional, it's unlawful, they need to stop. Um, so that, that's what we're seeking. We're, just, we're hoping to stop this in the future and to just draw attention on the misconduct in the first place, um, and then you know, have a formal order instructing them to stop.
0: Absolutely. And is there anything else that you would like our viewers to know about this case?
9: Yeah. So in mean, this case, it raises all kinds of issues. But I think the first one is, and I think the way that we can distinguish this case from prior lawsuits like Missouri v. Biden or, or Cengizzi, um, in this case, we have six individuals talking about their lives. They're not advocating any political policy. They're not anti-vaxxers. They range across the whole political spectrum, from Democrat, Republican, moderate. Um, and all of these individuals are being censored. And I think everybody in this entire country should be really alarmed and disturbed by by what we're seeing here and just the, the dogged censorship enterprise that continues to be executed to this day. Um, you know, I'm receiving further screenshots from these clients with further instances of censorship that are still continuing. And I think that's really the way to distinguish this case even more so from, from some of what we've seen in, in the recent past. Um, and I, I would say that is one of many, many alarming things that we're seeing in this. And I, I really hope that people will pay attention. Thank you so much, Casey Norman. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: Families torn apart. A brutal suppression of faith in China has changed the lives of millions, including ones here in the United States. NTD's Iris Tao has more on a congressional briefing today.
1: So please help my father and help the people under the persecution in China.
10: At a congressional hearing, we heard from several U.S. residents whose family members are being persecuted in China because of their faith. Let's take a listen.
1: Ten years ago, My mom was behind the bars, and my father was trying his best to save my mom. And 10 years later, my father is behind bars. My mom and I are trying our best to save my father.
10: Zhou You is an engineer and a popular YouTuber living here in the U.S. His dad was recently sentenced to eight years in prison for practicing Falun Gong, a meditation practice based on the values of truthfulness, compassion and tolerance. But the Chinese Communist Party deemed the practice's popularity a threat and launched a campaign of persecution that's led to millions being detained and tortured throughout the past two decades. Our family remained separate and he's not the only one. Lydia Wang wants to rescue her mom, who was arrested 11 times in China for holding on to her faith. She has suffered for
4: 24 years under the CCP's persecution and has been in prison over 10 years since 1999. We would like to bring her home to New York.
8: This is not something that just affects people. And, China.
10: and Congressman Gus Belaracus of Florida, who convened this briefing, calls on the U.S. Congress to do more to help.
8: No person should ever be intimidated, forced from their ancestral homeland, imprisoned, or murdered because of, simply because of their beliefs. We've just begun to fight.
10: Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. Up next, is social media safe for children and adolescents? A
0: new advisory from the Surgeon General says it poses serious risks and calls for safeguards. And as TikTok and a group of users sue Montana for banning the app statewide, we look under the hood at the algorithms and who or what may be driving it. Stay tuned for more after the break. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy released an advisory today on social media and its impact on children's mental health. He's calling for actions to provide safe and healthy online experiences for children and adolescents. The advisory states that the potential harms from social media use include negative self image, addiction, exposure to hate based content, anxiety, and depression. Research shows that 46% of adolescents reported that using social media negatively impacts their body image. One third of girls said they feel addicted to social media, and 64% of adolescents reported exposure to harmful content on social media. Murthy is asking policymakers, technology companies, parents, and researchers to make further efforts to create a safer online environment for young users. His suggestions include strengthening safety standards, limiting access to social media, supporting digital and media literacy, and funding additional research. And governments around the world are trying to prevent children from bypassing social media age limit checks. So what is the best way to verify the ages of users? We ask the experts.
7: Preteens aren't supposed to be on social media. But it's extremely easy for them to lie about their age and get in. But this may change. Governments are proposing laws that would force social media companies to improve their age verification standards. France has a bill that would require social media companies to have a technical age-verifying solution, as well as parental consent for anyone under 15. The bill has passed the Lower House of Parliament. The UK proposed a bill called the Online Safety Bill. It would also require age-checking measures. In Canada, Instagram is testing out facial age estimation technology. Users will record a selfie, and Instagram's technology will verify whether that user is indeed over 13.
11: It's kind of a double-edged sword with tech companies. They could put means in there to validate someone's age. The problem is what happens if and when social media is compromised and hacked.
7: Scott Schober is a cybersecurity expert at BVS Inc. He says there are all kinds of ways to verify someone's age, such as providing a birth certificate, driver's license, or facial recognition. But he believes these methods aren't worth the risk because hackers may get your data and steal your identity. When it comes to social media, he believes good parenting is the main solution, but new technologies may be able to provide a technical solution.
5: There's a number of new technologies such as zero-knowledge protocols that can help address uh, uh, things from a security standpoint to ensure anonymization from a a broad uh, standpoint as well.
7: Chris Duffy is the head of AI strategy at Adobe. He says zero-knowledge protocols are an evolution of blockchain technology. The user will be able to provide his or her age to the social media firm, without actually providing the explicit data. Rather, the age is verified through sophisticated math computations and algorithms. Still, Duffy says, there is no bulletproof way to protect data. But he says it's more important to add more and more layers of protection as technology becomes a bigger and bigger part of our lives.
0: And Speaking of social media, TikTok is suing Montana over a bill that would ban the app in the state starting next year. The company filed the lawsuit yesterday. It alleges the ban violates the U.S. Constitution as well as other federal laws. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the legal challenges the ban is facing.
11: TikTok on Monday filed its lawsuit challenging the first state to ban the app. The China-owned company argues the ban violates First Amendment rights of the company and users. The lawsuit says a ban would violate the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution and is preempted by federal law because it intrudes upon matters of exclusive federal concern. It's the second lawsuit against the state since the ban was announced. A group of five content creators citing First Amendment rights sued Montana last week. Proponents of the state law are concerned the app could be used to allow the Chinese regime access to U.S. citizens' information or push pro-Beijing messages and misinformation to influence the public. A Montana Department of Justice spokesperson stated the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, is using TikTok as a tool to spy on Americans by collecting keystrokes, personal information, and locations of users. A bipartisan group of lawmakers in the U.S. Senate, along with the heads of the FBI and CIA, have all said TikTok could pose a national security threat because its Beijing-based parent company ByteDance operates under Chinese law. China's national intelligence law requires that companies cooperate with the CCP for state intelligence work. The ban takes effect on January 1st next year. It prohibits downloads of TikTok in the state and would fine app stores or TikTok $10,000 per day for making the app available to personal devices. Penalties would not apply to users. The statewide ban would be void if the platform is sold to a company not based in a country designated as a foreign adversary. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
0: Now for analysis of recent challenges against Montana's TikTok ban, we have Nick Janicki. He's the director of media relations at Ganjing World, a new digital platform that offers clean, family-friendly content. Nick, a legal challenge to Montana's TikTok ban claims it violates their free speech. It likens the move to hypothetically banning the Wall Street Journal because of who it owns it or the ideas that it publishes. What's your take on that? Is it an accurate parallel to draw?
1: You know, it's such a great question, and it's actually a very funny question because its I think it's minimizing what TikTok is and the influence it has, and really understanding the technological things that are actually happening. And so, I don't think it's a good parallel, personally. Uh, and the reason is, what's happening with TikTok, and what we're seeing a lot of with a lot of social media companies, is this idea of privacy. You know, so as a user of technology, what what implications does that mean in terms of your privacy? So when you're reading the Wall Street j- Journal, uh, there's not a you know a, tra- a geo tracker on you. It's not taking all of your data and it's not sending it to China, right? So I think it's a very misleading parallel based on the ideas of the company. It's less about the ideas, and what's actually being implemented is uh, concerning from the standpoint of privacy, right? And so uh, right now we know that China is sort of pushing its military agenda in the world. Uh, It's a very scary time, and we can't be so uh, naive to think that a company running out of China isn't utilizing that data against the U.S. for a military or uh, economic advantage.
0: Last week, a former Twitter board member warned that while TikTok is dumbing down America's youth, it's simultaneously supporting loftier goals for China's youth. What's your take on this apparent contrast? Do you think it could be part of communist China's unconventional warfare?
1: Uh, That is a very good question. I'm not going to put in my own necessarily opinion on the matter per se, but just look at it from the standpoint of, globally, this is something we need to absolutely look at. And, and it can that be verified? Do we have proof that shows that's happening? And then, in that case, what are the appropriate measures that are being taken? So I think what's happening in Montana, what's happening in other countries, where people are actually doing the research, you have high-level government officials doing the research, you have other companies doing the research, showing that, yes, the algorithm is being made, to actually harm potentially U.S. citizens or the people in the West, and the algorithms being changed to actually help uh, youth in China—that's something that absolutely should be looked at, and I think it should be regulated as a controlled substance. If now knowing that technology is as powerful in terms of hijacking the limbic system as you know fentanyl in certain regards or certain other drugs, where you know these should be looked at as something that does need to be controlled. And we need to be very cautious. There is a cold war essentially going on, and um, you know we need to take it very, very seriously.
0: Coming back to this idea of algorithms, people know generally how they work, but not really in the detail. And you mentioned that they can be kind of tweaked for benefit or for harm. Could you tell me more about that?
1: Mm, yeah, uh, absolutely. So the algorithms are something that uh, you know it's obviously getting a lot more attention. So, artificial intelligence, you know, it's kind of a general term, but machine learning and these algorithms have, have existed for well well over a decade. That's essentially, since the, the Internet formed, you know, you had things that would direct you to other things, it would make recommendations. But I think the important thing to, to understand is, we have a responsibility as human beings to use the technology, rather than have the technology use us. So what's happening especially if you're a 13 or 14 year old, you're signing up for these platforms, you're very excited, but as your sort of vulnerabilities start driving your decisions on what you watch, you're gonna get more content that essentially tailors to those vulnerabilities rather than it driving you down these you know addiction loops. And so we're calling the opposite. There's a uh, Stanford professor, B.J. Fogg, who says the opposite of addiction is connection. So we're calling them essentially connection loops where you're building up a positive and vibrant community. And so I think that's what's important. A lot of other places you can go into really dark areas of, uh, you know, violence or harmful content, where on Ganjing World, everything has been curated specifically to uplift the human spirit and uplift the human intellect.
0: And so do you have more humans working on deciding what that looks like? Is that the difference?
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's a combination between uh, the humans actually, you know, curating this. But then when you go into the platform as uh, a learner or someone that's looking to experiment with social media, you actually get a set what your categories are. A lot of other platforms do this. What's interesting about Ganjing World is they do have a, a mindfulness uh, area. And so the, the idea is, OK, what do I do to upgrade myself? and you're going in with that intent, you're picking the categories that that work with that. But I think it's also important to note the Ganjing world does not collect personal information, and it's not selling your personal information to any third parties, including China or even any advertiser, where everything's very generalized and they're keeping that way on purpose. And I think that's the biggest benefit is knowing that you're not being tracked, nothing in the app is following you off the app Right onto other websites, it's not making recommendations to other advertising networks. All the information is is, uh, private.
0: All right, great to hear all about that. Thank you so much, Nick Janicki, great to hear your thoughts.
1: Perfect, it's my pleasure, thank you so much.
0: Coming up, an anti-Putin group crosses into Russian territory and battles with Russian forces. What effect will this have on the war? And a win for U.S. taxpayers. That's what one lawmaker is calling new action by the Energy Department. The agency is pulling a $200 million grant from battery company MicroVest over its close ties to the Chinese regime. We'll have that and more after the break. anti-Putin group crossed into Russian territory and battled with Russian forces. Russia claims to have killed over 70 of the attackers, but the group says that is Russian disinformation. NTD's Jason Perry has the latest. <laughs>
12: A reporter standing nearby in the Russian Belgorod region said that the explosion was from Russian forces. Other residents in the area described on Tuesday what they experienced during the recent attack on Russian territory.
7: First, guns fired, then mortars, machine guns, the sound of machine guns.
12: Recently, an anti-Putin group of armed fighters from Ukraine conducted a military incursion into Russia. This video shows fighters driving an armored vehicle near the Gryvoron border crossing in Russia. And in this video, the anti-Kremlin group claims to have captured a Russian army vehicle. Two groups claimed responsibility for the raid on Russian territory, and they are the Freedom of Russia Legion and the Russian Volunteer Corps. Both say they are Russian fighters seeking to overthrow Russian President Vladimir Putin. Russian forces say they have evacuated residents from the area and then claimed to have killed over 70 of the
7: infiltrators. The Kyiv regime, having faced a defeat in Bakhmut, have now moved to acts of terror against civilians.
12: And the Russian defense ministry released this footage, which reportedly shows them attacking the anti-Putin group. Fighting in the Belgorod region reportedly lasted for two days. A Ukrainian defense intelligence official confirmed to CNN that the group was part of the defense and security forces in Ukraine, but acting as independent entities in Russia. So what impact will this have on the war? The head of London-based Mayak Intelligence Consultancy said the move is not a game changer, but it could prepare the battlefield for Ukraine's upcoming counteroffensive. And he explained how it might work.
8: One is to rattle the Russians, make them worried about the possibility of risings amongst their own people, but secondly, force the Russians to disperse their troops, to move some of their reinforcements towards Belgorod region, hopefully, I think Ukraine must hope, opening up areas for sort of a major attack in the next week or so. And a spokesperson
12: for the Freedom of Russia Legion denied that there had been heavy losses in the Russian invasion, and he called Russian reports of large casualties disinformation. Jason Perry, NTD News.
0: The U.S. Energy Department is pulling the plug on a $200 million energy grant. The funding was earmarked for lithium battery battery company MicroVast Holdings, but lawmakers have raised concerns about its links to the Chinese Communist Party and called on the department to reconsider. GOP Congressman Frank Lucas called the decision to revoke the money a win for taxpayers and American businesses, adding that these funds are intended to strengthen America's battery production and supply chain, not to tighten China's stranglehold on these supplies. NTD's Tiffany Meyer has the story.
3: The grant stemmed from the $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure law from 2021 and would go toward building a new plant in Tennessee. It would also support R&D for specialized electric vehicle battery separator technology, developed by both General Motors and MicroVast. The Energy Department considers a range of factors before handing out awards, including the company's ability to perform tasks outlined by the grant, its audit record, and accounting system. Candidates must also hand over a lot of confidential details, which are weighed in the department's final decision. MicroVast was one of 20 companies selected for the grant, designed to strengthen battery-making on U.S. soil. But based on Securities and Exchange Commission data from last month, nearly 70% of its revenue came from China, with just 3% from the U.S., The company also admitted Beijing exerts substantial influence over its operation and may intervene at any time and with no notice. Asked about the news Tuesday, a spokesperson for China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs said what the U.S. government decides about U.S. companies is a matter for the U.S. itself, and I will not comment on it. MicroVast did not immediately respond to a press request for comment.
0: If you want to be a spy for Germany's intelligence service, we've got bad news. There will be no clandestine operations from the comfort of your couch, as they're not offering remote positions. The head of Germany's Federal Intelligence Service, or BND, said today we cannot offer certain conditions that are taken for granted today. Some potential hires have been spoiled by remote work they acquired as as a result of the pandemic. Now they're not interested in working for the BND, which also prohibits people from bringing their personal cell phones to work. The head of the organization, Bruno Call, added remote work is barely possible at the BND for security reasons and not being able to take your cell phone to work is asking much from young people looking for a job. But other intelligence agencies don't seem to have the same policy. The careers website of the UK's MI6 offers flexible work, which means you can work around personal commitments. And the CIA says it offers positions in several working groups for those seeking at-home work. Coming up, LeBron James' season ended last night at the hands of the Nuggets, but his comments afterwards suggest his career could soon be over. And big news for football and soccer fans. Levi's Stadium in California is set to host two major sporting events in 2026. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD News. now for your sports news, here's NTD's Dave Martin with an update on LeBron James' NBA future.
13: That's right, Steph. LeBron James sounded like a man contemplating retirement last night after his Lakers were swept by the Nuggets in the conference finals. James, who scored 31 of his game-high 40 points in a dominant first half, said afterwards, quote, I've got a lot to think about, to be honest. Just for me personally going forward with the game of basketball, I've got a lot to think about. The 38-year-old is already the league's all-time leading scorer and has played more playoff games than anyone in history. He's also under contract for next season at roughly $47 million and has long stated his desire to play with his son, Bronny, who will be eligible for the NBA draft in 2024. And in golf news, 15-time major champion Tiger Woods will not participate in next month's U.S. Open as he continues to recover from ankle surgery performed last month. Woods withdrew from the Masters last April because of an injury also missed last week's PGA Championship. No timetable has been set for his return. And in the NFL, Bills safety DeMar Hamlin has been present for the team's off-season practices, though head coach Sean McDermott says he's not actually practicing yet. Hamlin collapsed after a tackle during a game in January and had to be resuscitated on the field. He's made a remarkable recovery since and has been cleared medically to resume his NFL career. McDermott hasn't said when Hamlin will return to the field, though. And For your sports viewing schedule tonight, more playoff action. First in the NBA, the Boston Celtics look to avoid a surprising sweep at the hands of the Heat in Miami. Miami blew out Boston in Game 3, leaving my 30 points after three quarters and then cruising to a win. And in the NHL, Game 3 is tonight in Dallas as the Stars trail the Golden Knights 2-0 after losing Game 2 in overtime. And finally for you baseball fans, busy night. All 30 teams are in action including the World Series champion Houston Astros, who are the hottest team in the game, having won eight straight games. They play at Milwaukee. And that's it for your sports news today. Steph, back to you.
0: Thanks, Dave. And other sports news, California's Levi Stadium will be making history in 2026. Home to the San Francisco 49ers and in the heart of Silicon Valley, the stadium is set to host two major sporting events. NTD's Tyler Castillo and Carlos Reyes have the story.
8: Levi Stadium, located in the heart of California's Bay Area, is set to make sporting history as it prepares to host both the Super Bowl and the World Cup in 2026. The Super Bowl, the pinnacle of American football, needs no introduction. It is a cultural phenomenon that captivates millions of viewers worldwide, combining intense competition, captivating halftime shows, and memorable commercials as the most watched sporting event on the planet. The World Cup captivates billions of fans with its passion, drama, and unforgettable moments. I'm Tyler Castillo, here with Carlos Reyes in front of the Levi Stadium, home of the 49ers. Reyes announced that they'll be hosting the 60th Super Bowl. That's right, Tyler, exciting news as the Bay Area gets ready to host yet another Super Bowl 10 years after Super Bowl 50. But the excitement doesn't stop there because Levi Stadium is also said to play host for several World Cup matches in 2026. We are going to get a view for the atmosphere and ask some people around how they feel about the sporting events being hosted here at Santa Clara.
11: I mean, financially, it's huge. You know, you have all these mom and pop restaurants that probably aren't busy, you know, during the week or the weekend. So just having people come, you know, and fill their restaurants. Financially, is going to be a huge impact to this city. And
8: as a 49ers fan, clearly, um, how do you feel about Levi's Stadium hosting another Super Bowl?
11: It's going to be amazing. I might have to come out here. I'm from Houston, Texas.
8: The significance of hosting both the Super Bowl and the World Cup in the same year cannot be overstated. And which teams are you looking forward to to uh, participate in that Super Bowl? the 49ers,
11: and the 49ers.
8: As the countdown to 2026 begins, the Bay Area stands ready to welcome the global sporting community with open arms.
0: And finally, ahead of Memorial Day weekend, summer landscapers are hard at work on Governor's Island in New York City Harbor. The employees in Hammock Grove are a little furrier than normal.
14: To maintain an eco-friendly lawn in the Hama grow, five sheep from a lake preserve near Albany have come to munch away invasive plants like mugwort and phragmites.
5: Sheep love it. It's green, it's soft, uh, it's nutritional. For uh, grazing animals, it's high in protein. And yeah, I mean, we have these just huge swaths of green pasture for them. So it was just, it's a perfect fit.
14: Some of the sheep, Evening Chad and Philip are return employees, while two, Bowie and Jupiter, are first timers.
5: We're not using tools at all. We're not using herbicide. Uh, this is just completely organic way of keeping uh, our weeds in check. They're super effective. We actually, every year, we've increased the size of their pasture wider and wider throughout the six acres of hammock grove, because the last two years, our main problem was they they ate everything too fast.
14: Employing woolly critters to eat up the invasive species frees up the governor's island horticulture team from weeding full-time to focus on other projects.
5: They give me more time to do what I love, which is gardening, by doing what they love, which is eating.
14: This is the third time the sheep have taken up residence in the hammock grove. Subiamba, NTD News.
0: And if you have any news, tips, or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at NTD.com. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.